Hello and welcome back to the Don't Read Into It podcast, episode 3. This is my third time attempting this episode because the last episodes have had technical difficulties and or just sounded really bad, in my opinion. So we're going to go for the third time is the charm and attempt to record a worthwhile listening to episode and it is the third best episode, so first is the worst, second is the best, third is the... I'm not finishing that because I hated that homage when I was a child. I hated it. I think that it encourages your kid to be a loser, to be quite frank with you. You are a loser if you tell your kids that. If you say, first is the worst, second is the best, third is one of the treasure chest. You are straight up a loser, and you are teaching your kids how to be losers as well. And that's my opinions on that. So we're off to a great start. Um, No noise complaints from the dorm yet. I will be shocked if I don't get any noise complaints for the podcast. And of course, if I do, I will share with y'all how that went down. But no noise complaints yet. And uh, I'm thankful for that. I think that it would be ironic if I got a noise complaint considering all the, the... noises that happen in my hall on a daily basis so if I was the one that was getting a noise complaint for having a podcast it would be quite funny but anyways as always I'm kind of rambling on so we're going to go ahead and start the episode here with the first segment which is of course questions from Instagram and we've got an array of questions today the first being my Super Bowl predictions Uh, it's going to most likely be Kansas City versus Green Bay and I really it's a stalemate I think Chiefs and Packers are very even teams. They both got superstar quarterbacks. They have an outstanding receiving core. And the defense are about as solid as you can get in the National Football League. So I do think that it is going to be a close game. And I'm not even going to talk about the championship games. Because frankly, I think it's already decided that it's going to be Green Bay versus Patrick Mahomes. Is it going to be the State Farm Bowl? Most likely. Whoever wins that game will get their real discount. They will get the Rodgers or Mahomes discount, of course. (laughs) In all seriousness, yeah, I I can't see the Bills or the... um, I forgot who the Packers are playing. They're playing the... Man, who are the Packers playing? I completely drew a blank here. The Packers are going to be playing... The Buccaneers. I forgot about that. See, the Buccaneers are just so underwhelming to me. Excuse me. They seem to just be such a good team. Obviously, with Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski and Mike Evans and Antonio Brown, but it's such like a basic, boring team. You, I mean, these are full of guys that we've been hearing about for the last 10 years. See, with the, with the Packers, you have like Aaron Rodgers, of course, who's a staple. But at the same time, you also have... Devontae Adams, who's really exciting. I quite enjoy watching Equinemius St. Brown. And just guys that you don't really see that haven't heard about in the last 10 years. But the Buccaneers are just so bland, and that's why I just forgot them just now. But yeah, Buccaneers versus Packers. Packers are going to win that in a landslide. Unless Tom Brady pulls something out of his ass, and it is um, very possible that he does do that. I'm not going to rule that out. And... Yeah, that's, that's my Super Bowl prediction. It's very basic, but I think it's very correct. I really hope the Bills lose. <laughs> if the Bills don't lose, then I will be looking at a, like an idiot in every single podcast episode and every single group chat that I am currently in. So, to maintain my uh, dignity, really, I really need the Bills to lose that one. Come on, Josh Allen. Lay an egg, buddy. 
And that brings me on. Oh man, that brings me on to my second question, which is, what is the best thing about college and what is the worst thing? I'm going to answer this one very quickly because I basically answered this last week. The best thing about college is um, the independence that you have. The worst thing about college is the people that you have to deal with in your life around you because a lot of people are very annoying and or very drunk. So that is college in a nutshell. And if you can deal with those things, then come to UNT. Um... And that is the end of that question. I'm not going to answer any more college questions. This is not a personal podcast, but I will answer personal questions, but not in that regard, because I do not want to answer more college questions. It's the same question that it is always going on, you know? I've been asked college questions three weeks in a row now, and I'm done answering them. So if you are listening, please don't ask me any more college questions. But that will bring me on to my next question, which is, why does... T- why does Jameis Winston deserve to fall off a cliff? All right, I would like to say before I talk about the reasons that Jameis Winston deserves to fall off a cliff, this is all alleged and there was no legal action that was taken. And it is subjective whether you think that is correct or not. But there are just certain things that lead me to believe that that was incorrect and that Jameis should have been indicted on these charges. However, They are alleged, and my opinions do not matter, and to Jameis and your lawyer, if you are listening at any point in time, I am not accusing you of anything. I am just laying out the facts and the evidence of what happened. So, Jameis Winston was basically accused of rape at Florida State, and there was um, DNA evidence of this to the girl, and she actually released her own name, which a lot of people don't do, and I think that's very brave of her to put out her name, and that tells me kind of that she kind of has credibility, you know, because in some of these things, like, I, I would say be inclined to believe it, first of all, but second of all, be, um, you also need to make sure. Um, yeah, it's a controversial topic, and I really don't want to talk about it, but since the question did ask, and I know the person that asked the question, it means a lot for her, for me to say this. Um, yeah, I think Jameis Winston did get away with it. There's DNA evidence of it, and... The girl was obviously upset, and I think it's pretty weird that the Tallahassee police didn't do anything about it, didn't further their investigation, and I think it is quite coincidental that the Florida State University um, paid the girl $950,000 after Jameis Winston went to the NFL. I think that it was definitely a cover-up, and they didn't want their star quarterback to go down. And... You know, that's unacceptable, and it's not right. Of course, it's all alleged, and you don't. James Winston is still playing in the NFL. We saw him throw a touchdown pass the other day in that Saints-Buccaneers game. But, yeah, if, if you to use the terminology that the question asker asked, if you want James Winston to fall off a bridge and explain why people would want him to fall off a bridge, then that is the reason, because you would think that he got away with rape, and that's not okay. But, of course, that is all alleged as I've said and to avoid legal trouble I have to say um, he was not indicted on any charges nor will he be and the cha- the case is closed therefore that's that's about it that's all I have to say if you want to know more about it there's a great documentary on CNN that was aired that James Winston actually sued the company for called Hunting Ground and if you want to know more and watch the disturbing details of that case then I suggest you watch it I'm pretty sure it's available on Prime and I'm pretty sure you can pirate it pirate it anywhere or watch it on YouTube 
But that brings me on to that question was a real downer. Thank you for um, making me say that. Yeah. Anyways, on to the next question. It's a little bit lighter. It is <clears throat> who is the best multi-sport athlete of all time? It's Jim Thorpe. That's it. We're moving on. And the final question is, once again, a controversial one. Y'all really wanted me to answer the hard-hitting questions. This is supposed to be kind of a humorous podcast, but, you know, we can be serious on here. Um, the question is, should athletes use their platform to share their political views and or morality? I would think yes. In my opinion, yes. I think if you have a platform and you think there's something wrong in the community, if you have a platform of people that will listen to you, then... Yeah, share your opinion, especially if it will change the minds of people that look up to you. Um, we've seen with Trump supporters and we've seen with a lot of people that who, if you look up to the person, then they will, then they will follow you. And I know a lot of people have problems with LeBron James or any athlete kneeling or anything like that. I have no problem with that. If you think there's a wrongdoing in the country and you have a platform, you should definitely speak your mind on it because people will listen to you. You have a big platform. If you're one of the most famous people in the world, you need to show that this is wrong and that you disagree with it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I don't agree with the people that say shut up and ball. I think that's stupid. And I honestly think that's a ludicrous thing to say. I think that if you have a platform, then you should share your opinions on it. That's just my opinion. I'm going to keep it concise because it's a really controversial topic. And really, I could talk about this for two and a half hours, which I do not want to do. So we're going to go ahead and move on. Thankfully, that was a rough Q&A session. I'm not going to lie. Y'all are really killing me with that shit. <laughs> you guys are got, have me answering like the saddest questions and like the questions that will really make me think. I don't want to think during this podcast. What are you talking about? This is for the, for not thinking. This is for just spewing my idiotic sports opinions on top of y'all and bad takes. Come on. But I do want to go on to the second segment, which is just kind of a little personal anecdote that I wanted to share. Um, on Twitter, uh, Phil Bennett was hired as the defensive coordinator for the University of North Texas, which is my college for y'all that don't know. He was hired. And um, listen, I would first like to say that, yes, I should have done my research on this topic. I should have looked at Phil Bennett's stats to bolster what I was saying on Twitter. Of course, when Phil Bennett was in control of Baylor, which I will be important to the story later, I was 12 years old, and from what I saw, he was always yelling, and he was always really active on the sidelines. So in my head, without any stats to back this up, I thought he was a tough defensive coach. And so I tweeted this. I, I didn't really tweet it. I commented on, on a colleague's post. I said, oh, that's a great hire for UNT. He's very disciplined and was great at Baylor. Just because my 12, 13-year-old mind remembered that, right? I'm 18 now. So this was five, six years ago during that Baylor resurgence with Art Bryles. And we all know what happened with that. But besides the point, so I, I go on there and I say that. And then, you know, I'm sitting back. I'm doing my random stuff that I usually do. I'm at ho I was at home that weekend. I was not in, D in Denton. I was at home. And I look on Twitter, and it's just like a sea of Baylor fans quote-tweeting me and replying. And my first immediate thought was, the hell are these guys talking about? They don't know what I'm talking about. 
they're talking about. It's me. They're just angry because they didn't they didn't look good during that time because they choked and all that. And so, of course, on Twitter, it, I uh, I argue quite often. So I uh, went ahead and argued with them. And I tried to prove them wrong. And guess what happened? It didn't help whatsoever. I <laughs> These Baylor fans were super convinced that I was in the wrong. And of course, I didn't think I was in the wrong. Because that, that was my, you know, that, that was my opinion. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm never wrong. I, I'm the sports savant. I'm never wrong. And so I, I'm arguing with these fellas. And finally, this one guy pulls up the stack. And Phil Bennett's defense at Baylor was the worst in the Big 12 all the years he was there. And they were the least disciplined. And those were both of my arguments for why he was a good hire. I am not kidding. So, I had to admit defeat. I had to tell these annoying-ass Baylor fans. I had to tell them, oh, that's my bad. Oh, I'm sorry. That was my fault. My bad. You win. I'm waving the white. I, I literally replied, I'm waving the white flag to one guy. And then they were like, aha, it's all good. Just do your research. One woman said, just do your research before you tweet. And I said, oh man, that one hit kind of hard. And then uh, another guy was like, oh man, it says analyst in his bio because I, I in my bio, I, I don't have it anymore, but in my bio, I did have that I was a sports analyst for a UNT sports show and a writer for the UNT newspaper, which I is a position that I still hold. But um, they they were just clowning me, and that is actually the first incorrect thing I've said on Twitter in my life. I mean, four years of Twitter, and that is the first thing I've said wrong. So I think that is at least a little bit impressive. I think it's a little bit impressive, but. Yeah, I, I was wrong, and I had to swallow my pride to a bunch of Baylor fans. And if y'all don't know this, I am a I'm a Texas fan. I'm a I'm a big University of Texas fan, and so having to swallow my pride and respond to Baylor fans was awful. And my and my sister and my brother in law also both graduated from Baylor, and so I I talked to them about it, and of course they um they laughed at me, and you know it is what it is, right? Right? It is what it is. It was not fun, is what I'll tell you. It wasn't. It was not a good thing to, um, to look on at 8 o'clock at night. Because I tweeted that going, oh man, I'm going to look so good. Because people are going to be like, wow, this guy really knows his stuff when he's talking about Phil Bennett. Heck yeah. And I was completely wrong. So, I just want a spoken version of this. I was incorrect. I'm sure a lot of you have been waiting me for me to say that for years. You've been wanting me to say for years. I am incorrect because I'm stubborn. I never think I'm in the wrong about anything, especially sports. So to all of you haters out there, to everyone out there, <clears throat> I was incorrect. I was wrong and I'm never making a comment on a coach ever again because it was so stupid. Man, I don't know. The people that had a go at me for having analysts in my bio, if you have nothing... But, and they were also going at my age. They were like, oh, bro was probably like 10 when this was happening. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I actually was. Like, that's a solid argument. And they were trying to roast me with that. But it's like, 
Yeah, if you have nothing better to do than to argue with an 18-year-old freshman college student on Twitter, then you need a life, big boy. I'm not going to lie to you, man. You need a life. And that is my final shot. And I know I'm like a dog backed into a corner getting sprayed by a hose here. But hey, that is my final argument. If you're going to say something on Twitter about a guy that's just trying to get an education, man, it is what it is. Yeah. But I will say this, it's, and I did tweet this, it is better that I've messed up now than when I'm actually doing this stuff professionally. Right? That's, uh, that's the absolute truth. And just wanted to talk about that because it was something that had been bothering me. <laughs> Being wrong bothered me all week. And I had to delete all those tweets because... There's like this integrity thing. It's a long story. I'm not allowed to talk about it. But basically an organization I'm in for UNT requires me to stay pretty professional on social media. So I had to delete all that. And I'm now 100% professional. And if you follow me on my main account on Twitter, read underscore Smith 25, then you will see that I am pretty um, tame on there now. Nothing too, uh, too uh, argumentative. And yeah. I'm going to go ahead and move on to the deep debate corner of the podcast. It's If you didn't tune in last week, it is where I see a common debate or a common question that a lot of podcasts and other things answer, and I give you my take on it. This week, it is, if you were to start a baseball team, who would you draft first? And I, I went ahead and set the parameter of a modern baseball player, not any... Um, like historical ball players. I'm not going to be drafting like Ted Williams first overall. But yeah. I don't know. I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about this currently as y'all are listening to the podcast. So you're going to hear me think out loud here. Uh first of all, I want to I want to shout out Starting 9. It's a barstool podcast with Jared Carabas. Is the uh is the um what's it called the host and it's also co-hosted by uh what is his name by Dallas Braden so it's Jared and Dallas and shout out to them for this idea they do drafts all the time on there like theoretical drafts so shout out to Starting Nine it's a great podcast to listen to um very funny so if y'all are into podcasts and want to hear it on a more professional level than I'm on then I would recommend you listening to Starting Nine by Barstool Sports it's a it's a great podcast but anyways, at, in that rambling session I just went on, I have thought about who I would draft first, and it's not Mike Trout. I think with the first overall pick in the theoretical MLB draft, I would... Hmm. Okay, now I'm kind of second-guessing myself as I'm speaking. Um, I think... Man, I'm just hung up between Tatis Jr. and Juan Soto. Because both are like outstandingly good, very young. But Tatis is kind of injury prone, so I wouldn't want to risk drafting a player and then having him, like, I don't know, tear his ACL within the first year. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to draft Juan Soto from the Washington Nationals. Great player, um, one of the best hitters, young hitters that we've ever seen. We all love the Soto shuffle where he looks at the pitcher and, you know, grabs down there. It's very nice, it's very stupid, but it's like, 
one of those signature things, and it's fun to watch. And he's a fun player to watch. Five tool, great hitter, as I said, and that's who I draft. And I know that's not a very long debate, but there's a limited number of young players in the MLB that really you could think would develop into superstars. I mean, you got your Chris Paddocks. You got your Cody Bellingers, you got your Yelichs that have already kind of panned out, and you also got your Ronald Acuna Juniors like that. But if we're going to talk about best players in the league that I could have possession of for a very long time and start a franchise with, then you want to look at the superstars that are budding like Fernando Tatis and Juan Soto. I would say that they are undoubtedly the talisman of young talent in the MLB, and that's really all there is to it. And you could put Walker Bueller in that category, but I'm more of a hitting enthusiast rather than a pitching enthusiast. You won't catch me um, gawking at a 12 strikeout performance rather than a 4 for 4 performance or a cycle. But that is all I have to say about that topic. And I know it's a short debate this week. I know last week was like very drawn out and very long time but to be fair to myself that that topic was easier to to talk about like the LeBron versus MJ there's so many points that you could say about that podcast or that podcast that topic and I think I did a pretty decent job talking about it so that's really all I gotta say there'll be a better debate topic next week I'll consult with the people I talk to about this podcast and see what they think so yeah and the final topic I'm gonna go to is a new corner I'm adding one every week it's called Arsenal because Arsenal is such a talkable team that you kind of have to have their own corner they can't just be added as a side note so this will be probably be a weekly thing obviously you'll know if there will be no Arsenal corner <clears throat> but today there will be and I want to talk about Martin Odegaard, who is rumored to be signed by Arsenal in the next six months. If you don't know who Martin Odegaard is, he is a center mid from Real Madrid. But he's kind of fallen out with Zidane, which is a pretty common thing in soccer nowadays, that people just kind of fall out with Zidane. It's kind of weird. And you really wonder how long that the Blancos will keep him there. But... This is an Arsenal podcast. It's not an Arsenal podcast, but it's an Arsenal fan podcast. An Arsenal fan hosts it. So we're going to talk about Odegaard. He's a creative midfielder, and Arteta rates him highly. And a lot of play people, or teams rather, wanted Odegaard really badly. But it appears that he's picked Arsenal to come. To come to on loan until the end of the season. Um... I don't know about this. I really don't. Because Odegaard obviously possesses more passing ability to Dan than Danny Ceballos. But I really don't see a need for him right now. Because he would be a replacement level center mid, right? Because Emil Smith-Rowe. You cannot take Emil Smith-Rowe out of the lineup. And if they do that, that will be the worst mistake that Arsenal has made in some time. And they've made a lot of mistakes. So... I, I don't understand why we would need another creative midfielder unless we're using him for a backup level. But if you're, you know, loaning somebody for the end of the year, you would want to play him mildly often, which would take minutes off debatably the best player in our last, you know, four five games, Emil Smith-Rowe. That would take minutes away from Smith-Rowe. So why do we need Odegaard? I don't know. I, I really don't know. 
because that w- we could change our formation to have two attacking mids and kind of play a diamond at the top, but uh, I don't know, man. It, it's just... I understand that we needed a creative midfield very midfielder very badly, right? Once, one, at the beginning of the season, it looked like we were just awful. The only people creating were Sokka and, and Tierney and just... Nobody was was scoring for Arsenal because there was no one to pass it to them and people were crying for Ozil to come back and be the passer that the team needed. But, you know, then Arteta started playing Emil Smith-Rowe around Christmas and the guy has just been playing out of his, his socks. He's looked like a young Aaron Ramsey at times and just somebody that you can really watch and makes a difference in the game. It, that run and pass to to Bukayo Saka for the goal last week was just beautiful. It's just something that you look at mesmerizing him and Saka and him and like Azette and him and Aubameyang. I mean, he's a true passer and he's a great player too. He's elusive in front of goal. He can score often. Emil Smith Rowe is a great player, and Odegaard does not seem like a necessity for the team anymore. Like I could see if we would get a replacement level center mid right like I can see that if we'd want to get a better replacement level to where we can sub out Emil Smith-Rowe and have a creative playmaker coming on but Odegaard just doesn't seem like that player because if you're loaning a player then you want them to play like we've seen Danny Ceballos play a lot because he's also on loan from Real Madrid why would you loan a player if you weren't going to play him and to me it's ludicrous, and it's not a good Arsenal signing, in my opinion. I don't know exactly what Arsenal needs, especially right now, and it's easy to say, oh, when things are going good, it's easy to say, oh, we we're, we don't need anything. We, do. we don't need this. We don't need that. Obviously, we do. I would say the biggest necessity for Arsenal right now was to pick up a replacement-level fullback since we loaned out Sayed Kolasinac, and yeah, we saw how Ainsley plays it left back so we'd need a replacement level left left back but a center mid I just don't see the point of that right now the pivot right now of Shaka party and Emil Smith Rowe looks amazing and you also have off the bench Ceballos and off the bench El Nini and just players that can play you know like they can fill in the positions but not play outstanding on off the bench like I'm talking about El Nini and Sabayos like not play outstanding off the bench as well as your normal starters but they can fill the gap and they've been playing pretty well in Arteta's system the last five games it's just Odegaard would be wasting his loan if he was if he was over here and you know I think the emergence of Emil Smith Rowe, and, and this isn't just like a normal emergence of like, oh, this player looked pretty decent for this amount of time. It's like this kid has not even 30 Premier League appearances under his belt, yet he looks like he's been here for years. He looks comfortable. He looks like a player that can really make a difference at such a young age, and it looks like he's just a seasoned veteran. I mean, at Huddersfield Town, when he was on loan last year, we saw this, and the fact that he comes back to Arsenal as an immediate starter, that is not a coincidence. That's not a that's not just something that happens. You don't see a young player do that all the time. And it's shocking. It really is shocking because I I question I question why why wasn't this guy in the wickets earlier in the season? Like 
why wasn't he starting? Because I remember he was playing in Europa League and he looked fantastic, you know? Like, him and Sokka, they just have a connection that others don't. And he's a hell of a lot better than Joe Willock that was getting playtime last year. I love Joe Willock. He has a special place in my heart because he's a nice guy and he's from the Arsenal. But Joe Willock is not a Premier League player. Emil Smith-Rowe is a Premier League player and could be for the foreseeable future. I don't want to put his pressure on him and saying that he's going to be our number 10 going forward. But I can definitely see it. He has the potential. If he can avoid injury, then he certainly will be. And, you know, just back to my original point. We don't really need Odegaard, and we'd be wasting him on the bench. Like, I saw a fan on Twitter talk about Denis Suarez. I think that's a perfect comparison. We got Denis Suarez from Barcelona two years ago. It was an Unai Emery signing on loan. And he played only a couple of times, and he just didn't look that great. And Barcelona was disappointed that we didn't play him more. I could see that same situation happening to Mark Nodicard. It's just not a a move that we really need to make. If we wanted a replacement center mid, we could pay a decent price for a different center mid that would know their role as a rotation guy. I think Odegaard would come here expecting to get a decent amount of playtime, but he simply just would not fit into the lineup, and we do not need competition for Emil Smith-Rowe. And think about what that would do for Emil's confidence. He's like, I'm playing out my ass off right here, and they're bringing in another guy to try and replace me after I've been playing this game with my full heart and winning games for this squad. I would be pissed, and it's just a really stupid move, in my opinion. And I'm sure a lot of people are looking at this and going, oh, yeah, I mean, if you look at Arsenal comments, they're saying, oh, announce the Odegaard signing, announce Odegaard, announce him. But it's a lot of people just do not realize how stupid this is, and it's it's stupid. That's all I'm going to say, that loaning somebody like this is Dennis Suarez all over again, and it is stupid. It is ridiculous, and it is an Arsenal move if I've ever seen one. <sighs> I'll hop off my soapbox now, but... But, man, Arsenal just makes some decisions that make zero sense to me. And that's just being an Arsenal fan, I guess. really is. Yeah, I think I'm going to wrap this episode up. Um, Thank you for listening. If you listen, be sure to follow the podcast on social media. On Instagram, it is don't read into it, all lowercase, no spaces. And on Twitter, it is capital D-R-I-I, all lowercase, podcast. Follow me on social media at Instagram underscore read 25 underscore and on Twitter read underscore Smith 25. Thank you for listening to this week's episode and I'll see you next week.